1: right there. Waiting for us to finish strong across that finish line. Waiting for us to come and fall into his arms so he can tell us those glorious and beautiful words that he said in Matthew 25, 21. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We long to hear those words. We long to hear those words. We want to finish well. We want to run and finish well.
0: What do you find that motivates you the most as a follower of Christ? For many of us, our inspiration is found in none other than Matthew 25, verse 21. But how many of us actually live in such a way? In today's message, Pastor Dave will encourage you to live out your life in anticipation of that great and glorious day when we stand before the Lord. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 20 as he continues his message, Paul's Farewell.
1: The only thing that mattered to Paul was his knowledge of Christ and Christ's righteousness. Paul wanted that righteousness. Paul knew what it was like to have his own righteousness that came from the law. He just said, according to the law, he was blameless. He knew what it was like, and it didn't compare with the excellency of knowing Christ. It didn't compare to the excellency of Christ as Lord. It didn't matter. He was telling the Philippians, he says, and he's telling us today, we need to listen to this. He's telling us today, we must make the spiritual the priority of our lives. It doesn't come from obeying a law or any law. It doesn't come from our works. It doesn't come from anything else, whether it be your schooling, whether it be your birthplace, your birthright, your race, your creed, your color, or your religion. That's not what it comes from. It only comes from the righteousness that comes from God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. That's what Paul wanted. And that should be our strife too. Everything else should just fall short. Everything else is rubbish. Actually, the words here really translate into the word dung. That's what Paul's saying. Paul took count of his life. And he looked at his life. And nothing compares with Christ. Nothing But Paul also said he was a runner. (laughs) Paul loved to use these these, uh, athlete analogies. He said he was a runner. Look at the next part. So that I may finish my race with joy. You know, we know from other Scripture that Paul spoke about being in a race and finishing well and running as to win. So Paul was looking to finish this course with victory and joy. Paul realized that God had given him great gifts, great gifts, not only his life, but his ministry as well. Paul knew that the Lord had a special plan for him, and he was going to fulfill what the Lord had asked him to do. And he also knew that the Lord would accomplish in him what the Lord's purpose would be. He also wrote that to the Philippians in verses 1 and verse 6. He who began a work in you would be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul knew that, and he was resolved in that. Remember what Paul's motivation was. We talked about it last week. Solely serving. Paul was completely devoted And committed to accomplishing this purpose. We must be faithful to do that which the Lord has called us to do. We must be devoted and committed to Him first, and then ministry second. Whatever it is. Because everyone is in ministry. Yeah, we're all in ministry. We are all in ministry wherever we are. It's what we do now that we are believers in Jesus Christ. We must finish strong. And when we finish strong, our hearts are ablaze, and we run across that finish line. Guess who's waiting for us? Exactly. Jesus Christ, right there. Waiting for us to finish strong across that finish line. Waiting for us to come and fall into his arms so he can tell us those glorious and beautiful words that he said in Matthew twenty-five, twenty-one: Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. We long to hear those words. We long to hear those words. We want to finish well. We want to run and finish well. So Paul described himself as immovable. He thought himself as an accountant. He said he was a runner. And in the next picture, he describes himself as a steward, a steward. Again, look at verse 24. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus. The idea of steward is one of a guardian, a guardian. Paul received his ministry from the Lord Jesus, and he knew from whence it came. He knew that it wasn't his. This is an important point. This is an important point. The Lord gives to us ministries, and he places us in ministries. But they are not ours per se. They belong to the Lord. We are guardians and caretakers of the ministry that he has given us. How can we then hold on to something that is not ours? Many people try to claim, this is my ministry. Really? You died on the cross for that ministry? You took it upon yourself to die there? The Lord gives us our ministries. Every ministry we have belongs to the Lord. They belong to the Lord Jesus, and he's given them to us. This church is the Lord's church. He's the head of this church. It is his church. He established it. We're caretakers of this church. Now, he's given us all different gifts. He's given us gifts for the edification of the body, for the building up of the body and the work of the ministry. Each one of us have different gifts. And as I said last week, we all must work together. We all must share in this ministry. We're sharers. We're co-laborers in this ministry that God has given us. That's the idea that Paul's saying here. He received the ministry from the Lord Jesus. The Lord had given it to him. The steward owns little or nothing, and his sole purpose is to serve the master and to please him. When Paul was writing to the Corinthian church in the first letter, in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 2, the apostle Paul basically tells the Corinthians that it's important for the stewards to remain faithful. Actually, he uses the word, it's important for the steward is required to be faithful. You want to be a good steward? Be faithful. Be faithful to what the Lord has given you. Everything we have is a gift of God, including our money. Yes, He gave it to us. Well, I work for that. Well, who gave you the job? Everything we have belongs to the Lord. We need our stewards here. We're good stewards. The steward one day has to give an account. The steward one day has to stand before the Lord and give an account of what he did or she did with what the Lord had given them. First of all, the biggest question is, what did you do with my son? what did you do with my son? That's the first and foremost question. If you don't get that one right, there's no more questions. What did you do with my son? Then we give an account. Some of us will be judged harsher than others because of the position that the Lord has placed us in. We'll be judged harsher than others according to Scripture. Paul knew that one day he would stand before the Lord. and He was ready to do it. He was ready to do it because he knew where ministry came from. Paul's ministry was to testify of the gospel of the grace of God, and we move into the next item, the witness. Paul says, I'm a witness, to testify of the gospel of grace of God. Here the word witness actually means testifier. It's one who testifies the truth, one who solemnly gives witness. It's like a court of law. You know, sometimes you may be called in a court of law to be a witness, and you get on a stand and you testify of what you know in this particular case. Sometimes, sometimes it's a matter of life and death. Sometimes your testimony is a matter of life and death. But that's how serious the gospel message is. The gospel message of the grace of Jesus Christ, the grace of God, is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death when we testify. Look at 2 Corinthians 2, verses 15 and 16. For we are of God, the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the one, we are the aroma of death leading to death. To the other, the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? It's a matter of life and death when we share the gospel. The next time we think about sharing the gospel and we think, oh, it's too difficult, remember, it could be the difference between life and death for that person. Eternal death, eternal life. That's the message that we've been given. Paul was faithful and was a faithful witness not only in what he spoke about, but in his life. Paul was a faithful witness not only what he spoke about, but in his life, and we have to ask ourselves the same thing. Does our walk match our talk? Does our walk match our talk? Paul says, you know what manner I lived before you. We studied that last week. Paul was a faithful witness. Leads us to the next picture. Paul was a herald Paul was a herald. Paul was a herald. If you look at verse 25, he says, And indeed, now I know that you, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. The idea of a herald here is a town crier. The idea of a herald is a town crier. One who heralds the news, informs the people. Paul preached the gospel of grace of God and the kingdom of God. When the word preaching simply means he proclaimed the message that he was given to proclaim. Preaching. The gospel was Paul's message, and it proclaims and hurls the coming of the king. It hurls the coming of the king. While the witness tells us what happened to the king, a witness tells us what happened to the king, the herald tells the words that the king has given him to declare. Paul was heralding the gospel of grace of God. He was heralding the gospel message. So Paul was both a witness and a herald. He was a testifier and a preacher. Jesus had commissioned him and sent him with the message, and he said one thing, don't change the message. Don't change the message. Since the message is from the king, the people who need to listen to the message very carefully, and then they have to be careful how they treat the messenger and the message. My point, many are in danger today because the message has been changed. The message has been diluted. The message has been watered down. That's danger. A diluted gospel carries no power. A diluted gospel carries no power. A diluted gospel carries no power because it has no truth behind it. A diluted gospel produces weaklings because it's weak. A diluted gospel is weak and it produces weaklings. These weaklings become dependent upon the messenger, the one who's giving the message instead of upon the king. They're more dependent upon the messenger than they are the king. They look to the messenger for their comfort. They look to the messenger for their hope. They look to everything else instead of looking to the king. When the weaklings raise up the messenger and the messenger becomes more important to the king, the truth is lost. There's no security in that. Then you start putting your faith you a man, remember when we read Acts 14, Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra, they healed the man, and all of a sudden they started saying, oh, the gods have come down to visit us, here's Hermes, here's Zeus, and they were trying to bring out the, remember, they're coming down the street with a big bull, and they're going to slaughter the bull in front of Paul, making them gods, and Paul says, whoa, whoa, time out, guys, guess what, we're men, we're men, but we want to tell you about somebody else. We want to tell you about the king. We want to tell you about the savior. We want to tell you about the one who's coming, the one who died for your sins, the one who ha- has given you forgiveness. That's what we want to tell you. About. See, they pointed the way to Christ. They didn't accept the worship. They didn't accept those things because they were mere men. We can't put the messenger higher than the king. And that happens all too often in our society today. The messenger becomes higher than the king, and it's weak. And things are lost. Paul pointed to the king. Paul pointed to the king the only true gospel, when preached truthfully, can bring life. Only the true gospel. Only the true gospel of God has the power to salvation. Only the true gospel has the power to change lives. The true gospel is what Paul Harold is what Paul preached. And he did it completely, so completely that he pictures himself as innocent of all men's blood. Verses 26 and 27. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Paul had been faithful to the Lord and to the message he'd been given. He declares himself innocent because he shared with them the complete gospel, the complete message of salvation. He left nothing out. He declared to them the entire counsel of God. He was there in Ephesus for three years. And for three years, he meticulously taught the word of God. He had been faithful to the truth. He reasoned with them. He argued with them. He challenged them. And he showed them through the scriptures all about the Messiah and declared to them that the Messiah was none other than Jesus Christ. He showed no prejudices. The message was for everything, for Jews and Greeks alike. Paul knew that he had accomplished that which he was ordained to do. Those who heard the message, they were now responsible for it because Paul declared it to them. He was innocent of their blood. It was up to them. You know, unfortunately in my Christian life, I can look back on times when I've had a chance to share the gospel and did not. I look back on those times with grievous heart because I failed to do what God had appointed me to do. I didn't share the gospel with somebody thinking, oh, they'll hear it from somebody else or, or this might happen. When one time the Lord impressed it upon my heart so much, what if they don't? What if they don't hear it from somebody else? We think because we live in a society where we're Christian, quote unquote, that everybody's heard the gospel message in America. Surely in America everybody's heard the gospel message. Well, no, I don't believe everybody's heard the true gospel message. And if we shirk our duties, it becomes a matter of life and death for that person. Paul says, I'm innocent. I'm innocent of all men's bloods because I declared to everyone within the earshot of my voice the true gospel message of Jesus Christ, the entire counsel of God. That's what I did. That's what I do. We have a responsibility to our loved ones. We have a responsibility to our Lord. He has given us a message that needs to be declared We must never fail to speak to someone when the time comes. We must be faithful witnesses. We must be to those who are we love and testify the truth. We must preach and herald the good news. Paul in Romans 10 is talking about Israel's needing to be saved. And he makes this very, very poignant message here in verses 13 through 17. For whomever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's great news. Then he says, how then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who have they not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring good tidings of good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed the report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Who has believed our report? Well, guess what? You need to preach the gospel and speak the gospel from your heart. You're not responsible for them to believe. You're responsible to teach what you know and to speak what you know. If someone rebukes you, if somebody walks away and doesn't accept, that's not your fault. The onus is on them. We all have to glean it for ourselves. This is hard for a father who has children that are wayward to take in because I want them so much to be saved. I want my kids to come to the Lord. I want my kids to come back to the Lord, those that are the prodigals. I want them to be saved, but guess what? I can only tell them what I know, and I can only love them with the heart that Christ has given me, and I can only demonstrate the love of Christ to them. They have to accept for themselves, because I need to be able to stand before the Lord and say, I'm innocent of their blood. If you have the message in your hand, and you don't share it, then you become responsible for not sharing it. And I believe the Lord is going to hold you more responsible than they. Finally, in verse 28, Paul pictures himself as a watchman. He pictures himself as a watchman. Therefore, take heed of yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Paul saw himself as a faithful watchman, for he declared the entire counsel of God to the sinners and saints alike. And here, Paul is referring two Ezekiel passages, Ezekiel 3, 17 to 21, and Ezekiel 33, 1 to 9. He's saying that, you know, being a watchman is a serious job. It's just not something we can just do half-heartedly. We need to stay awake. You need to stay alert. You need to be ready to sound the alarm when danger comes. And you need to be faithful, not fearful. Being a watchman is difficult. Paul's telling the Ephesian elders to be careful and care for the flock of God that God has allowed them to be stewards over. We're going back to this, I don't own the flock, God owns the flock. Remember what the Lord told Peter? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. We feed on the Word of God. That's the manna that comes down from heaven. We feed on it daily. We feed on the whole counsel of God. Do not be shy, Paul saying, from the duties and preach the true gospel. Help your flock grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help them to grow up. I'll share with you a quick story about some servicemen who were gathered together, and a newly appointed chaplain came into their midst. They asked him and said, Chaplain, do you believe in a real hell for sinners? The newly chaplain smiled and said, Well... No, I don't. One of the servants stood up and said, well, we're was- you're wasting our time. If there's no hell, we don't need you. And if there is, you're leading us astray. Either way, we're better off without you. The true gospel is what people need. They don't need a gospel. They don't need a false gospel. They don't need one that's watered down. They need the true gospel. Paul knew that the godly leader knows that the effective leadership flows in a life, not just head knowledge. A life lived before the people. Paul tells the eaters to take heed of themselves first. Take heed of yourselves, he says. What does this mean to me? It means as a leader, I need to be on my face before God. I need to be spending time with God, reading His Word, and getting fed first. I need to be on my knees reaping what God has given me. So that I can fully declare to you the message that He's given. If I don't take time to spend on my knees, if I don't take time in studying the Word of God—not just for these, but for my own personal benefit, my own personal growth—then what good am I? Am, what good am I to you? That's what He says. Take heed to yourselves first. Care for yourselves. Be a watchman. Care for yourselves. We cannot accurately nor faithfully fulfill our ministry before God if we don't spend quality time with Him in word and prayer. That's what we're called to do. Why? Because God purchased the flock with his own blood. As leaders, it's important. We now know that the church belongs to God. We talked about that. He purchased this with his blood. The people don't belong to the pastor. They belong to the Lord. But as long as they choose to remain under the care and the leadership of the pastor, he, the pastor, has a responsibility before God to feed and lead them. But they never belong to that person. Paul thought of himself as a watchman to bring forth the whole counsel of God And like I said, this doesn't guarantee that people will be saved, but it guarantees that you'll be without guilt before God. There are those today, unfortunately, who don't want to hear the whole counsel of God. They don't want to declare the whole counsel of God. And when Paul was writing to his beloved son Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.3, he warns him that there'll come a time when people don't endure sound doctrine, that they look for teachers who are going to tell them what they want to hear because they have itchy ears. Tell me how good I am. Don't tell me I'm a sinner. Tell me I'm great. Tell me that I'm okay. I'm okay, you're okay. We're all okay. Tell me wonderful things. Motivate me. Encourage me. But don't tell me I'm a sinner. Don't tell me I need Christ. Surely there's a different way. I'm a good person. I give to the church. I'm a good guy. Motivate me. Encourage me. But Don't down me for being a sinner. Let me practice and do whatever I want. That's not the gospel, folks. I'm sorry. And if you're looking for that, you're not going to find that here. What you're going to find here is the true gospel of Christ. And if not, I need to come off the stage and go and leave. Because God has placed me here. And God wants his true gospel to go out to anyone who might hear it. And that's my job. And I take my job very seriously as a watch person. We need to hear the gospel. You know, Paul gives these great pictures and descriptions of himself. And he honestly examines himself. And he saw himself as immovable. He saw himself as an accountant, a runner, a witness, a herald. He was innocent and he also was a watchman. We can really learn so much from the Apostle Paul, and we can learn from our lives as well. How do you view yourself? Take stock in who you are in Christ. Fill in the blanks in all honesty. For me to live, to die is, fill those in, and want that in your heart. Want that. Want Christ so badly. Want to know Him so badly that you'll forsake everything else. And I guarantee everything else will just flow and be full, more full than it's ever been in your life.
0: Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. We encourage all our listeners to spend time daily in the Bible, learning from the timeless text that your Creator has given you. If you'd like to listen to more of Pastor Dave's teachings from this series in Acts or explore messages from other books of the Bible, you can do so by visiting AssureHopeRadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. If you'd like a CD copy of today's message, we'd be happy to send you one. Just give us a call at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. We're so blessed to be able to share God's Word with you with each new edition of Assure Hope, but we want to encourage you to find a local church to attend regularly as well. Being a part of the body of Christ gives you a place to learn and grow with other imperfect people while providing an outlet for your unique, God-given gifts. If you're in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you come by Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study, and childcare is available. We're excited to have you join us. For more information and to get directions, visit AssureHopeRadio.com. That brings us to the end of our program for today. Thanks for tuning in to Pastor Dave's study in the book of Acts today. And we hope you'll join us again right here on Assure Hope.